This is an ABC podcast. Norman, did your horse win the cup? I don't bet on the Melbourne Cup. I'm a bit of a horse better. You didn't know that, did, did you, about me? One of these things you didn't know about me. I'm a bit, I paid for my fare to Australia originally, many years ago, by betting on horses in London. Stop it. And for that reason, I don't bet on the Melbourne Cup. It's just a weird race. Because you wish that you'd never come to Australia? <laughs> I am so happy I came to Australia, I can't tell you. Every day when I open the papers and look at British news, I just thank the Lord that I came here. (laughs) We are glad that you came here too, Norman. Well, let's get on with CoronaCast, a show all about the coronavirus, sometimes other viruses as well. I'm health reporter Tegan Taylor, coming to you from Jagera and Turrbal land. And I'm the ideologically unsound physician and journalist, Dr Norman Swan. (laughs) And it's Wednesday, November the 2nd, 2022, and I'm coming to you from Gadigal Land, part of the Eora Nation. So, Norman, you had an interesting experience. Uh, earlier this week, you do a regular spot on a couple of different radio stations, including ABC Radio Sydney, taking talkback calls, and you noticed a particular type of surge that you haven't seen for a while. No, we got overwhelmed by calls about COVID, and they've been They've been dying down in uh, over the last few months um, and this huge surge, we had more calls than we knew what to do with and it was like being back in January, February, March of this year or even earlier than that. And the interesting thing is when you compare that, so you say, well, this is the ultimate anecdote, what rubbish, you know, for a <laughs> podcast that's supposed to be scientific. And, you know, I'll take that as fair, as fair cop, but actually when you look at the statistics the surge has started. So it's not just talkback call numbers, though, is it, Norman? We can actually put hard numbers on this because of the the government statistics. Yeah, Victoria is saying 25% increase in cases, um, about a 20% increase in hospitalisations. And if you look at the national average, which has got some flaws in it because of the way states are reporting, about an 11% increase in cases and a 30% increase in deaths, albeit off a very low base. So So the tom-toms are a beating that um, the this surge is on. Right. And then the other thing that the Victoria has been able to reveal is that their wastewater surveillance and they do, they do genomic testing of the samples that come through in the wastewater and they're seeing new Omicron subvariants emerging, BQ1 and XBB, which sound like sort of online slang that I just haven't kind of kept pace with. So tell me about these new Omicron variants. And it's not just from Victoria. Other states are reporting this as well, including Western Australia. If you look at the United States, at the end of last week, 30% of their cases, and there are some states in the United States which are showing a surge as well, not all, 30% of cases at the end of last week were BQ1 or BQ1.1. So if you you could really think about those together, they, uh, and I'll tell you where they came from in a minute, and the week before that, it was 17%. So we've seen this before. And so they, they are significantly immune evasive or more immune evasive than BA5 and they're nudging BA5 or elbowing BA5 out of the way. XBB is the other variant and now I'll tell you where they came from. So XBB is a recombination of genes from two sub-variants. They're all of the Omicron family and the BA2 subvariants recombined to form XBB. And it's, it's circulating in Southeast Asia, come here as well. The BQ1s 
uh, come from, are a variant subvariant of BA five. Right. So we've we've sort of we've moved. It was first it was just Omicron, then it was Omicron one, two, three, four, five, and now we've got experts talking about this idea of a variant soup or variant clouds, where there's lots of they've got a lot of similarities, but there's also distinctive differences, and no one's really quite sure which one's going to become like the dominant variant. Um, going forward. No, but they will push BA5 out of the way. You can say that with reasonable confidence. 15, 20% more immunovasive. People aren't too sure at the moment. They're talking about XBB as the nightmare subvariant. Why? Why is it a nightmare? Well, because they're worrying that it could be more virulent, but there's not a lot of evidence for that. And people are saying, look, basically, if it's all part of the Omicron family, they're likely to have the same clinical behaviour as, as the other Omicrons, which is that they're not more virulent than Delta, for example. They're less virulent than Delta. Having said that, just never forget that 13,000 Australians died at least in the first six months of this year. And the reason I say at least is that more died because of heart disease, dementia, lung disease and so on, with COVID sitting behind that. So a lot of people died in the first six months from BA5. And these two subvariants, the XBB and the BQ1 variants, they are going to be more immunovasive and cause reinfection to a significant extent. So that's the that's the real da- danger, isn't it? It's not really so much about virulence. It, that is obviously still a thing. There's always going to be a proportion of people that get it really badly, and we don't know what the long-term effects are. But when there's genetic changes, it means it can get around our immune response that we've gotten either through previous infection or vaccination or both. So let's talk about vaccination because there's still a huge chunk of Australians who haven't who aren't up to date with their three doses. 28% of eligible Australians to be precise. And when you look at the Commonwealth data on this, that's around about 5 million Australians over the age of 16 have not had their third dose and they many of them would have had their second dose a year ago. So they have virtually no protection left against infection and they've got declining protection against severe disease. And on top of that, these new variants will have dropped the protection against severe disease a bit more than BA5 did. So BA5 dropped the protection against severe disease a bit, not a lot, and these two will almost certainly drop it even more. So you've still got good protection, but it's not as good as it was. So those, you, you've got this cluster of issues going, which creates enormous vulnerability in the population. So do we know what the benefits of a third and fourth dose are? Because that's what's on offer at the moment here. Well, again, looking at Commonwealth data, the protection that you get from a third dose against hospitalisation, it drops to one third. So in other words, you've got one third of the risk of going to hospital with a COVID infection if you've had a third dose. And if you had a fourth dose, then it's about a 30th at the moment. So it's a very significant drop in the risk of hospitalisation. It's not so clear the risk of death, but the, um, which is probably a failure in data, but it's likely that that proportionality flows through to the uh, protection against death. Well, so what, how do the variant-specific vaccines fit in? And are there kind of, you must get to a stage eventually where there's like diminishing returns. You can't just have like 100 doses of the vaccine. And I suspect that's why the advisory group is holding off on the fifth dose for people other than those who are immunocompromised and who have cancer. So the, there's been a reprint Uh, published in the last few days from Harvard University. So a very good research group, but it's a preprint, so it hasn't been peer-reviewed by other scientists. And they took a small group of people and they tested the antibody response to the BA5 
bivalent vaccine. So there's two bivalent vaccines on the global market, BA1, which is the one we've got here, and there's BA5, which I think is produced by Pfizer, which is the Pfizer vaccine. And they looked at the antibody response. Now, this small group of people had had two doses, three doses, and had had a natural Omicron infection. And what they found was that the BA5, if you like, sub-vaccine, did not produce, this will do your head in, did not produce significantly raised antibodies to BA5 compared to the original vaccine. Oh. So it's not that it didn't work. It's just that it didn't give you the extra kick along that you would expect it to. And then when they looked at the T cell response, which is like the third level down of the immune response, which is where immune memory is, and it's also the protection against severe disease, that didn't get much of a kick along either. It did get a little bit, but not as much as you would think. And they claim that there are similar results to the BA1. So in other words, you're not getting the kick along that you would expect from the bivalent vaccine in terms of the Sub, the Omicron subvariants. That is interesting, but can I flip that? Does that mean that, I mean, we, we, we've talked a lot about how much the virus has changed since the original Wuhan strain, but what you're saying is we're actually still getting good protection from that, even though it feels out of date now. Yeah, so that's right. So so one, one interpretation, one, so one conclusion from this is don't panic. The monovalent vaccine, the original one, works well still. But why are you not getting the extra benefit from the bivalent vaccines? And this is what immunologists and others have been worried about. They think this is what's called immune imprinting. So you know how you know a little duckling that might have lost its mum and uh, a human being brings up the little duckling and the duckling is imprinted with you, Tegan, as her mummy and follows you around everywhere. That would be adorable. And it's hard to actually shift that duckling to a real duck to say this is your real mummy. They think that that's what happens with the immune system and it's been best shown with, with influenza. And it's been, we've spoken about this before and it's controversial with coronavirus. So the idea here is that your first experience of a virus or a vaccine trains your immune system. And then the immune system is kind of resistant to recognising new versions of that virus or vaccine subsequently. So in other words, you get a great response to the first vaccine. But with subsequent influenza vaccines, for example, you're not getting as good a response as you did originally. Immune imprinting or some people call it original antigenic sin. So this may be, it's not guaranteed what happens. Now, if this is what's happening, it's fine for the moment because we're getting you've got the monovalent and if anything, the bivalent's giving you a little bit of extra help, but not as much as you would hope. The worry sitting behind this is two things. One is how frequently should you give new vaccines? You might be reinforcing imprinting by doing that. No, nobody's got the answer to that. And it's likely in a new surge with increased deaths that Atagi will say, let's go with the fifth vaccine, as they have in Israel with selected people. Because you do get a boost. You do get a boost. But the if you get a really radical shift in variants, in other words, they're not Omicron anymore, that it's a new variant altogether with a new Greek name, and you want to develop a new vaccine, are the existing vaccine technologies up to the task? And do we need some sort of disruptive technology here? And we just don't know the answer to that. But it, it is a bit of a worry at the moment. So those are kind of policy questions and questions for science. But for our listeners who are maybe worried about their little ducklings in their immune system, what should they take away from this? Uh, you take away that you just, just get really pragmatic about it. If you haven't had your third dose, have your third dose. If you haven't had your fourth dose and you're over the age of 30, have your fourth dose, particularly if you're over 50. And if you're immunocompromised, you've got cancer, have your fifth dose. 
And when ATAGI recommend to have the fifth dose, have it because it will increase your immunity and your immune response. And just finally, the final thing I, I want to say is we're going into another surge. Um, we've got almost no public health protections left apart from vaccination. And if you want to protect yourself, wear a well-fitting N95 mask. We're in a high-risk situation. Open windows and write to your local MP to ask them why we're not changing indoor air quality regulations. It's one thing that we can do to make public places safer for everyone. But that's all we've got time for on Coronacast today. If you've got questions, you can send them to us via abc.net.au slash coronacast. And we'll see you next time. See you then. <laughs> 